Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Hello, everyone. Um, doing something a little bit different today. It's Saturday. So I'm pre-recording my talk for tomorrow, but we just wanted to go ahead and just put it on to the Facebook and then Josh is going to pull it off and then put it back on. So I'm going to do my talk right now. So if you want to, you can join us, um, but you can also watch it tomorrow with the rest of the uh, rest of the gathering, which the rest of the folks. But um, yeah, so we're just going to kind of nail this out. My, my camera's backwards this week because I'm having to do some charging while we talk. And uh, so my camera's over here this week, I guess. So I'm, pro I'm so used to looking over here for the camera, so forgive me. Um, yeah, so that's what we're gonna do because uh, my wife took the kiddos uh, to go play for a little bit, so I had some time to do this and I figured it'd be best without the distractions despite the uh, washing machine running in the background. So living life on life's terms is uh, what I'm doing today. So yeah, this week has been, we finished Galatians last week, which is always a bummer for me because I love Galatians, that's my, my jam. Um, and it, that was really great. Um, this week I've, I've uh, had some, I'm doing psychoanalysis. I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, psychoanalysis, but it's quite, uh, kind of the root of all therapy, you know, um, think Freud or Jung and people like that. Um, and I started it because I felt like I needed to make a shift in my life and to invest in my own life, uh, in a way for my kids' lives, um, to be a better dad, to be a better pastor or teacher, um, be a better friend. And it's been really great. Um, one of the things though, is that sometimes it's really tough. And I, I said this to somebody earlier, it's like, you know, I guess when you kind of open the gates of hell, a few devils get out. And it's been one of those things of really realizing how much um, trauma and damage was done in my youth and growing up. And the severity of transitioning from a mega church lifestyle uh, where you kind of have everything and security guards and bodyguards to moving into like another life altogether, you know dad in prison, parents going through a divorce, um, and trying to live that in, in, in a different way. And so that's, that's been really big. I, as a matter of fact, I usually only go to one session a week, um, but this week I ended up doing two because the first one was really, really heavy on me because, um, you know, I, I realized that a lot of my personality traits in my relationships are, uh, built on trauma and uh, and how I allow myself to be treated by others and how I treat others. Um, some of that trauma really plays into that. And I know a lot of you who, who watch Revolution and, and take part in this group uh, have also experienced a ton amount of trauma. And there's really nothing to be ashamed of about therapy. I was almost tempted to just start today's talk with, hey, I'm going to take a therapy break. <laughs> 
Because I think that's something we should also normalize now, you know, is like not just being able to call in sick, but also being able to call in mentally exhausted. Um, I don't know if we're ready for that. But there you go. So it's been really um, a lot of reflection. I really uh, went quiet for this week with myself. And um, thank God for my kiddos because they're able to kind of pull me out of that. Um, but yeah, but also there's been some good things this week. We, we, we've got some really cool stuff that's about to happen, some projects I'm working on with Peter Rollins and um, Helen and uh, a documentary I can't talk too much about, but we're working on some stuff, and now that's finally starting to come to light, so I'm really excited about the work we're going to be doing heading forward. Um, also, this leadership team I have together now for the church to kind of help guide us and direct us to kind of get us back to where we were and um, doing new things. Hopefully we'll be doing book studies and different things like that and uh, maybe even a few more talks during the week. We'll see. But those are some ideas we're playing around with, so I might as well give you a little peek into that. Um, but, you know, as we went through Galatians, and today's going to be kind of a short short talk, hopefully. I always say that, and then it's not. But um, one, of the, one of the things about Galatians is, 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 you know, it's this Paul is crying out for this community to be, you know, united. You know, and, and to be, you know, be a community. Agree to disagree well. You know, disagree well and stay a community and not bite and destroy one another because there's differences. And they were split down the middle, much like this country is, unfortunately. And I think it's a great roadmap for helping us figure out how we need to react in this time of such uh, division in our country, in our lives, with our family members. Uh, with each other, um, the idea that maybe canceling one another out is not the best idea, but learning how to have really tough decisions. And also the importance of, of, of helping people when we do make mistakes rather than just casting them out, but, you know, being gentle and humble, as, as Paul says, gently and humbly restoring one another. So, Paul says all this, but, you know, sometimes people want to know, um, you know, what did Jesus say about this stuff as well? And so I thought today I would look at a really kind of a, a nice small smidgen of Luke and to give you the idea that Paul wasn't just, you know, adding to the gospel, um, which he's built on the gospel. He's built a foundation of even more inclusion on the gospel, and I think that's what Christ said we would do. Um, but here we go. You know, what did Jesus say about this similar stuff of how we react and treat one another uh, in community and within life? Um, you think that would be obvious. Um, but unfortunately, it, it doesn't seem to be too obvious, especially to a lot of uh, confessing Christians, if you will. Um, I think that's what happens when we start, when Christianity is like just a part of a culture, an American culture. And it's like, oh, it's just part of my tribe. This is our religion. And all of a sudden it doesn't become radical anymore. It just becomes, you know, uh, domesticated. We domesticate these radical writers, you know, and Christianity has been so domesticated. 
I, I think that's what I love about philosophy is that philosophy has not been domesticated. I mean, I think people have tried to domesticate it in the past, but it's still these radical thoughts and radical ideas embraced that, you know, because such a large group didn't just take it and turn it into, I mean, it's like anything that gets too popular and it becomes a, a bad imitation of itself. I mean, as a punk rock fan, you know, I look at most punk rock in the 90s, in the 2000s, and I, and I don't see a ton of great brand new bands that came out because it was like an imitation of that. Um, you know, so sometimes when things get too big, they kind of just, they get watered down and, um, and, and, and made uh, family friendly. And uh, how, do we, how do we sell it? How do we make it popular? And how do we capitalize on this? And um, Christianity, is, for me, is why it's still such a big part of my life is because it's, it's, it, it is radical. It is insane. And it asks us to do things that is very uncomfortable in order to make a lasting change and uh, to take a narrow road, to take the road less traveled. So what does Jesus say about the similar things that Paul was covering in Galatians? You know, these ideas of restoration and loving your neighbor as yourself, uh, which obviously comes from Christ. But, um, you know, but this idea of putting these religious traditions aside in order to see the other. In order, you know, and, and, if, and if it's asked to do that, which at this time was the most popular thing, you know, maybe there's times where we put our, our, our uh, political disagreements aside so we can have better conversations. And then maybe we can come back to those, those conversations and have better conversations um, and grow from that. And uh, it's just sad to me that there's like, you know, groups of Christians that can't sit down and have talks without casting each other into hell or calling each other heretics um, and canceling each other, honestly, you know. You having to toe a line. I think that's my, my biggest qualm with, with uh, denominations is that they want you to toe a line and that they really don't want you to have a different look at things or a different view of things on, on particular issues. And so, you know, I, I have to think about when I'm arguing with, you know, a, a theologian who's an a Baptist theologian or a Calvinist theologian, you know, um, or, you know, all these, you know, Assemblies of God theologians, you know what I mean? Like, these are folks that, that have all of these very different views that they subscribe to because it's not the blanket of theology. And I really like living in the blanket of theology because you can see how unique theology can play into people's own experiences, own knowledge, uh, own systems of education, and where they come from. So I think that's important to look at. So, and Luke... Um, In Luke 27, I think, I mean, you could actually go probably all through, I mean, Luke 27, Luke, um, Luke 6, 27, you could probably even read before that, even a bit, and, um, and get some of this stuff out of it, but today, because the kids aren't going to be at the lake that long today, I wanted to just kind of give you a, give you a really good, like, concentrated idea of, does Christ's message line up with the message that Paul was bringing forth in the book of Galatians? And is there a radical call for us to argue well and to work with one another in community 
and to not see compromise as a bad word and also to realize that there is something within contradictions that we may be able to find a higher truth within contradictions uh, if we're willing to look at that. And, and a lot of the contradiction, the grasping the contradiction concept comes from someone like Hegel. Um, but as I look back and I went through Galatians and stuff, I saw, oh, Paul's talking about there's going to be contradictions here and we're going to, we're going to raise to that and see that. Um, because I got this plugged in, my phone's much higher, so I feel like I'm like, see you guys later. Um, here we go. In, in uh, Luke 6, 27. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If any other... <clears throat> Oh, if another strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold it, even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you and anyone who takes away your goods. Do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. So this whole concept of treat others as how you would want them to be, how you would want to be treated, I mean, is really the essence of what we were reading in Galatians. It also seems to be the essence of Christianity. And I know when I read this, just this alone, just uh, 27 through 31, to me, I'm like, someone steals my stuff, I want it back, you know? So, I mean, that is just, you know, that we just, you don't think about it, you know, like, Someone takes my jacket, I'm not going to give them my shirt. Um, but this is the radical message of Christ. Um, Christ is, is showing us a deeper understanding of how to work with our enemies and in a way to disarm them. By, give me your jacket. Okay, well, here, take my shirt. Or like if the Roman soldier asks you to carry his pack, carry it an extra mile. Uh, if you're slapped in the face, it was kind of like to, you were an equal if you got backhanded, you know. But what he's saying is, as you show, it's Dr. King's idea of nonviolence, is that you show your enemies, in a way, their pettiness, their own humanity. I mean, think about it. If someone, you, you took someone's things and they go, oh, yeah, you just keep it. What? What? Well, you know, this is just, you know, it's not worth it. Here, here, oh, here's my shirt. Well, you'd be like, this guy's trying to give me his shirt. Um, it's disarming, to say the least. And it's what Christ asks us to do. It's funny what we choose to take literally in the Bible, how we can take a concept that's kind of fuzzy, like free will versus predestination, and we can just hardline it. Um, but how we can also read over things like, you know, become a community, don't demand your own way, restore one another, forgive one another, um, you know, all fall short, yet God in his grace is kind of declares us not guilty. You know, that we can take all that stuff that's really important, Christ says, and push it aside. Or the, the important things that Paul says about community and push those aside. You know, like when Paul says, you know, don't create factions. You know, don't think everyone is, the only people that are right are you and your own little group. Like, it's just funny the things that, you know, we're willing to compromise uh, on so easily 
and then major in these minors that aren't as clear. And this has been Christianity in this country since probably Christianity got into this country. And I would say it has a lot to do with really poorly educated people teaching the gospel. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't do that, but I'm saying it's coming from a shallow interpretation of the gospel, and it's also coming from pressure from denominations who are like, these are the main things we focus on, and we made these decisions. But what happens is those decisions become idols. Um, they become sacred cows. And so you can't question those. Then you end up arguing about those and arguing about those and then leaving undone the most important thing. And what did Jesus, when you leave him undone, the most important thing is loving your neighbor as yourself. Loving your enemy as yourself. This, for me, is the message of the New Testament. Is the other. Whether you believe in God or not, if you want to follow Christianity. Even, I always like this, there's in, in one of Peter Rollins' books, he said his answer was, was when people asked if he believed in God, he would go, oh yes, I'm trying to love my neighbor as myself. Or yes, I'm struggling to love my, you know, he would just, he put, like, he, he was, these are the things I'm trying to do. And, um, and so for him, it, what, what the, the important question, and it was a loaded question, especially for philosophers, is do you believe in God or not? Because there's so much there to unpack. And, and should be as for theologians as well, to be honest with you, of, of what do you mean by God? And, how, you know, what are you thinking? And, you know, it's like, do I believe in your God? Do I believe in their God? What God do I believe in? But the one thing we should be able to, to, to come together on is this idea of, well, we've got to love our neighbors as ourselves, we've got to love our enemies, and we've got to restore each other. Um, you know, I always I almost feel like other denominations' jobs should be restoring people who fall in other denominations so you can take away all, like, the, the, all the infighting and the hurt and the pain because it's just so raw, it's hard to do that work. But, like, if a Assemblies of God pastor falls, like, okay, the, um, the Lutherans, boom, we're here. We're going to help you, you know, with accountability, with growth, with strength, with grace. You know, we're going to be compassionate, but we're going to talk about hard situations. Could you imagine that, you know? If we all just were like, we got to go over, oh, the Baptist guy fell. Well, look, it looks like Jay has to go over and talk to the Baptist guy and, and, and love on him and, and, and be humble and gentle and restore him and, and see what's going on in their lives and have tough conversations and uh, see what needs to change. And, uh, and also, what, what, what's good, what's bad? Let's, let's make some lists. Let's sit down. I, I know this seems like overly simplified, but the problem was we've complicated it with such um, magical thinking of like we're, we're magical beings and whoa, we're the people of God. You know, no, we're human beings. One of the things that Jesus regularly did when he saw the woman at the well or when he was at the table and the, and the Samaritan woman goes, well, at least we get the crumbs from the table is that Jesus humanized people. And so if you're like this, oh, I'm a Bible-believing Christian, the world is done in this many days, and we're all created in God's image, then you would see that every act of humanity is some way a spiritual act. And we've let go of the basics. We've let go of the basics of forgiveness and love. The Bible says about love, it says love covers a multitude of sins. You know? 
we don't see the good document, we don't make good documentaries based on the idea of when love covered multitude of sins, it was a good thing. Often we'll see this in marriages. Often we'll see this in friendships. And it can be quite a beautiful thing. But we always see when the love was covering a sin that was destroying everybody. You know what I mean? Like, those aren't probably the ones we should be covering. We should be graceful and say, hey, this needs to change because you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting other people. There should be accountability there. I'm not against accountability within humanity. But there should be the idea that, you know, I I wish documentaries would show that and people would show that. But it's not usually people who believe this stuff who are making the documentaries. You know, you see the family and they're like, oh, well, we had to cover all of his affairs and cover all the, you know, the children's stuff and cover, you know, I'm like, okay, that... That's not healthy. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Um, And as human beings, common sense is a gift that we've all, most of us have been given, and we should learn to be able to practice this common sense and see what these words are saying. And I mean, even if with Paul and and, and Corinthians, you know, he he rebukes the guy who's sleeping with his mother-in-law, says, kick him out, do all this stuff. He needs to be set straight. But then in the next book, he says, hey, you guys went a little too far. Bring them back, restore them, clean the wounds, you know, do this. You know, the, they've seen the error of their ways. Now it's time to restore. So restoration and forgiveness is always a key to the walk of Christ. And um, for some reason, we've, we've become these, these super judges, and we've become a courtroom. And because Americans think of the U.S. judicial system, when they think of judges, they think of one person standing up there making a judgment and that's not how it worked 2,000 years ago in the Middle East you had a group of people sitting around having conversations, talking this out with the person who was being judged. There were conversations happening. It wasn't someone sitting with a gavel going, you're guilty. But the problem is we don't realize that and so we think in these like really finite terms of of now and, 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 and it, I saw that, you know, those straight out of Compton stickers like someone that said straight out of context and we practice a christianity that is straight out of context let's go on a little further with this um and in 32 jesus if you love those who love you what credit is that to you for even sinners or gentiles (laughs) uh, love those who love them so it's another clear aspect of saying, well, of course, anybody's going to love people who love them. But in this walk, within this, why it's a narrow road isn't because, you know, Jesus doesn't want you to listen to Marilyn Manson and go to rate our movies. It's because that's not the narrow road, you know. The narrow road is saying, you know, love people who don't love you. Love your enemies, you know, what, what difference are we from anyone if we aren't, you know, so when we see these people who we strongly disagree with, when we see these people who are bastardizing Christianity, we are not called to destroy them. We are called to love them and hopefully get to the point where we are able to reveal to them that they have been victims of misinformation, of bad theology, of, of, of like out of con straight out of context theology that has been bastardized through a way of american thinking and capitalism and that kind of thing in this hard line of well, you're in you're out you've earned it or you don't you know and grace says 
we don't earn it. Be, you know, all falls short, all fall short. No one does right. You know, that's just the reality of it. And people, I don't want to believe that. But if you don't want to believe that, think about your own life and the mistakes you've made in your own life. We all have faults. I have tons of them. You know, so it's like, we all want to be, I'm tired of feeling shame. I'm not saying feel shameful about it. What I'm saying is just accept the fact that you have faults, that we have insecurities. And a lot of my faults, you know where I got them from? My parents, from Christians and pastors that I grew up around, you know, from, from the things that I read into, what was acceptable and wasn't acceptable. I had to share my family with millions of people growing up. And then my dad went to prison. You know what I mean? So I have those faults. And some of my faults are no fault of mine. You see what's happening there? Um, and, you know, this is something that doesn't happen overnight, you know. Maybe just start loving the person who aggravates you a little bit, you know. <laughs> and figuring out what that looks like. Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 is almost an impossible standard of love. So that's a good place to start. But that's why in the, in the fruits of the Spirit, there's patience and kindness, you know. Um, these are the this is the cross that Christ is saying that we bear. And I mean, pretty much that's what Paul is going in telling the Galatians. He's telling the Judaizers and he's telling the Gauls who are divided over circumcision and other uh, tr Christian traditions or Jewish traditions and, and, and pagan traditions. And he's basically saying, like, you guys have got to pick up your cross here for each other a little bit. You got to pick up your cross, because your cross is not just, it's not just for you, it's for the others, you know, and, and they, now they don't love you, but you've got to love them. This is, this is the hard work, you know, it, it, it's not, you know, I've lost, really lost most of my faith in politics and politicians, especially since they're, they're getting so much money to think the way companies and corporations want them to think that I don't know if we can change them, but I know that we can change one another and we can love one another. And um, it's hard to love those who don't love you on so many levels. But you know what? I've got plenty of people who don't love me and, and who have cast me aside. Or they, you know, they'll do the thing where they've cast you aside and tell you they're doing it because they love you, and that's really gets, you know, gets strange. But that's when you got to look at your heart and you got to look at their heart and go, okay, well, where they're coming from, they really do believe this is love. But to me, it's, it's, it's a corrupted, counterfeit love, you know. And, you know, biblically, I would, could have these conversations. But unfortunately, sometimes those people don't want to have those conversations with you, you know. Because um, I've been canceled by a lot of Christians and churches my life. But I am trying to love those who don't love me or call me a heretic. Matter of fact, that's almost easier for me to do now with, with, with wayward Christians. Um, for me now, I think it's the cancel culture because the social media has entered in such a, it's just spread like wildfire. It's almost harder for me to, to, to deal with my, my fellow uh, progressives and, and liberals and, and, and those folks who are my, you know, I've been a liberal my whole life, a Democrat my whole life, so that's what I'm saying is, is my own group of people right now are sometimes now harder to deal with just because I'm not used to it, you know? And so I'm having to love them through that and have tough conversations. And there's times where people send me huge rebukes and I have to pick up the phone and we have to argue it out and have hard conversations. 
And so that's the thing is I think one of the things we do is we make an error with thinking that love is like, oh, it's lovey-dovey and, you know, I got to pet your hair and I got to be sweet and take you to a movie or something and not realizing that sometimes loving people is having tough conversations. You know, I remember when my sister was a little girl and she rode her bike, her, her, tri her tricycle out into the road and my dad grabbed her and spanked her on the butt. We don't spank anymore, but um, spanked her on the butt and she didn't like that and he didn't like it. But he didn't want somebody, she never want her to live her life thinking that she could ride out into the middle of the road and not be killed. He did not want his daughter to die and he loved her so there had to be a confrontation. There had to be something serious there and there had to be a consequence to that saying, I love you enough to show you a harsh type of love to keep you from dying. I don't want to see you die. And we're going to, we're all going to have to look at nuances. We're all going to have to do these different ways and we're all going to have to Learn how to have these tough conversations. Christ goes on to say, If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? You know, it's funny because when Revolution lost all of its support back in the early 2000s, um, These people who supported us were supporting us because we 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 they we said we we towed the line that they liked and we said the things we didn't like, and as soon as we started saying the things they didn't like, we were done, we were gone, and you know, and no one was doing anything good to those people they didn't agree with. You know, I mean, that's the thing about Christianity: we leave churches, we leave communities, we we move neighborhoods because we go. Well, I only want to do good to those people who do good for me. That's kind of a capitalistic way of seeing it. What can I get from this? What void will it fill? Will it make me feel better? If I make them feel better, then they make me feel better. And now it, 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 it's just commerce. And, and, and Jesus is saying, go above and beyond commerce. You know? Sometimes it might be finding the jewels and those things. I, I remember one of the best talks on grace, one of the best talks on grace I'd ever heard. And this is crazy because... Um, this was, God, this must have been 23 years ago, maybe. And I was in my, I was in Atlanta with my first wife and Joel Olstein came on and we were all kind of laughing at him. And then he started talking, giving this message of grace and it rocked me. It was a really amazing message on grace, you know, and I had to take that. I had to go, yeah, there it is. This guy got it. This guy gets it so much that he just doesn't quite even show what to do with his own life. You know, years later, I would meet him, talking to him about LGBTQ rights. And it was funny thing is I could see the pressure that he was under, that in almost his, everything in his spirit, he wanted to be an affirming Christian. But all the people around him said, no, you can't do it. And the peer pressure was keeping him from saying, we got to be inclusive. And that's what happens often is we get surrounded by people who say, no, this can't be the way, this isn't right, that's foolish. And I'll tell you what, the gospel is foolish. Loving your enemy, loaning to those who know you won't pay you back. I mean, those are almost exactly the examples people would use for foolishness. You understand? And that's what Christ is asking us to do. That's what Paul is asking for a community, to not to bite and devour one another over uh, these lifelong religious conditions, uh, traditions, 
but to learn how to compromise with one another and to learn not to boast or to put our convictions onto other people and how to love each other through community. Goes on to say, You, what credit is that to you? For even the sinners do the same. If you lend to those to whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But, and I love this because Jesus was always doing this, but I say, you know, when the, music, the Bible says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say, love those who persecute you. Remember that? But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. I don't think any of us are ready for that. I mean, I know almost every relationship, friendship, marriage, <laughs> everything I've been a part of, money was such a, such a divider, you know? There wasn't a lot of people giving to each other. I mean, even when people donate to the church and stuff, like lately we, we haven't been able to do thank you letters because our system's all screwed up and we do PayPal and obvious there's an, uh, sometimes there's not an address and people, oh, I can't believe I didn't get this. How dare you? You know, it's like, and we're honestly working on that. That's why I have a leadership group together to figure out how we can fix that out and get thank you letters out there and do more of that. But, but we even expect that. So we always give with a little bit of expectations. I once time went to a fundraising conference to try to learn how to do it. Uh, I never got really good at it, but they're like, the average donor wants to be thanked at least seven times for what they've done. We want recognition for when we support other people. Now I'm an introvert, so I'm like, here you go. Please never talk to me again. This money is for you not to talk to me again or put me on your mailing list. Um, it's a bribe. It's a bribe. <laughs> but, but the, I mean, this is just the nature of humanity and who we are, is that we always expect something in return. And that's a very American cultural capitalistic idea is that, you know, I want to at least have a statue or be rewarded or have the library named after me, you know, because I've given so much money. You know, because I want it to reflect me and I want people to know how good I am. And Jesus is saying, no. I mean, he says, like, give with one hand and don't let the other hand know what it's doing. So Jesus is actually more radical on this situation than I think even Paul was in Galatians. And I mean, I, got a lot of, I get a lot of pushback for my talks on Galatians. I do them every year and talk about it, you know, uh, losing your identity and all this stuff, oh, people lose their minds sometimes about it. And then you forget, oh, they lose their minds. And I'm going like, man, if you think this guy is radical, if you go back to the, the, the source material of what Jesus is saying, it's even more radical. You're not going to like it. You know? And everybody's like, well, you know, I like the, the, the Sermon on the Mount because it helps me give to the poor. You know, of course, when I give to the poor, I don't expect anything back. But I do expect a thank you letter from the company that I donated money who does work with the poor. Or I do decide to want to go down there and when I do the work, we definitely want to get some photos for our website or for our church to let people know what we're doing uh, in order to what? Raise more money. Um, 
I feel it all the time. Like, oh, I should be doing more. I should be showing more. We should have this thing. So all the stuff we're doing, you know, um, because in a way it, it, you want to give to something that you feel is, is, is doing good work. You want to be justified for what you're doing. I mean, it's, I know this sounds insane, but please don't blame me. Please blame Jesus. No, you can blame me. I don't care. Um, but this is radical grace. This is the radical message of Christ. And I really wanted to hit this part because I really felt like it, it just amplifies everything that Paul was talking about, but even to a higher level of saying, you know, loan to people. People steal from you. Don't get back. Someone slaps you. Someone tries to destroy you. Pray for them. Do good to them, you know. And um, when everything in our humanities kind of fights against that, and I guess that's where dying to flesh comes in, is that, okay, well, how do I love the other? You know, to think, like, what was Dr. King and those people in those nonviolent movements being beaten down? Everybody said they were idiots, they were wrong, you know, people were, no, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, I'm not going to do that. Dr. King got called a lot of things by his critics um, who are also black as well, you know. Um, and I understand that side of it too. I understand Malcolm X's ideas as well. I, I think Malcolm X is a genius and, and I love his work. So I, I get that. Um, but when you're being beaten down and you're not fighting back, you are dying to yourself literally. When your head is being beat in and you're trying to say, I've got, you've got to recognize, you will recognize my humanity and you will see that you are standing there beating someone who is not fighting back. As an ultimate sacrifice of love. So if we, if we think we've not seen this acted out and you look at people like Gandhi and things like that, um, and mostly people of color, I think, have, have nailed this down, to be honest. You see these people make such great sacrifices for something bigger, to show a bigger arc, to show a greater love, to show a more compassion, to show the way of Christ. And um, so there are ways and there are examples and there are heroes that you can look to and say, these people practice this radical love, this radical inclusion. And, uh, you know, and we're looked at as idiots for it. Um, I almost don't want to go on because it just gets more bizarre. Um, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Um, there is a, a verse in the Bible that says, be holy, as, be holy as the Father is holy, be holy as Christ is holy. Uh, and, and what that really translates into is back to this, is to be merciful as your Father is merciful. So when we say, when everybody's wearing those, what would Jesus do bracelets? I don't think you really knew what they, I mean, you know, I should have ripped them off in horror and ran away and be like, no way am I going to do that. Do you know what that means? Do you know what I'm going to have to give? Do you know what I'm going to lose? Do you know the uncertainty in this world? Do you know my insecurities? Do you know my fears? 
you know, you don't lambast someone for not using the right words when they talk to you, or you don't lambast them for doing, you, you listen and you hear and you try to have a good conversation and maybe in that great conversation those things will come up and you can explain to them this is what's important this is why this is important and maybe you could die to your flesh and help practice these things as well you know often you know i've always i think that's why i've always struggled with people who want trigger warnings it's like how do you expect anybody to know what it is and first of all life has no trigger warnings i i wish it did but it doesn't and hell i don't even know half the time i'm going to be triggered you know um I don't watch the Righteous Gemstones on television because I figure that might trigger some, some old memories that I probably don't want to, like, I'd rather deal with in my, with my analysts than on uh, cable television. Um, so I, I avoid that. <laughs> but my point is, is like, you're going to get triggered. People are going to say things and it's going to upset you. And, and, and what's great is, is if you can say, hey, that kind of triggered me and you can... But with a moment of, with grace and compassion, like, you know, but you, obviously you're not going to know that, but I'm just going to let you know that that kind of freaks me out a little bit. You know, that works, you know, um, rather than assigning them another them, you know, or, oh, you're a cis white male. You know, we want to continue to create all these like really weird categories and you know, we put more words into it. So it makes people even more separate and more this or that, you know. And, uh, and we're called to love and grace. We're called to live in compassion. We're called to be the least of these. We're called to, you know, hey, carry that, that soldier's pack an extra mile. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. And for me, I believe that that's complete mercy because I believe it's complete grace. And I think it's something I will never achieve within this lifetime, and I don't know if anyone ever will. But I know that if it's something as a community that we strive together, you'll find people who, diff like, that's why there's different parts of the body, you know? Uh, you'll find people are really strength and have a lot of strength in that. And that, that's why I love Zoe, because Zoe has a lot of strength with working with conflict with people who really trigger them, you know, and yet is able to deal with that conflict. But at times, will send me a message being like, I'm on empty. I'm feeling it, I don't know what to do, you know, and we're gonna have a conversation about it. But the fact is sometimes the great thing about community is we can all have these different strengths. And then when our strengths are weakened, we can go back to that community and, and, and heal with one another and even make funny jokes. That's always great. I, I heard that Dr. King and, and his guys, you know, after really tough, crazy meetings, they would do the debrief afterwards and that sometimes it would just be really like, you know, they would just be taking the piss out of the people who were just destroying them. And not to be hateful, but just to be like, all right, these are the things that I'm feeling. We've got to get them out there. Let's lay them down. Let's talk about them. And that's what I love. That's what I love about my relationship with Pete Rollins, man. I'm able to just, you know, let go, you know, and, and, and have the honest conversations about all oh, these driving me insane, you know, um, so uh, that's why we have therapy. That's why we have friends. That's why we have outlets. That's why community is important. That's why we carry each other's burdens, you know, and be human. I mean, I always said I'm haphazardly human or my, my, uh, uh, one of my uh, <laughs> sponsors in AA said that about me, but now I've realized that I just come from a long line of haphazardly human people. 
and I see that more and more every day. And in some ways I realize that that's how my mother was such a survivor and such a strong human being. Honestly, I saw my mom live this stuff out. Yes, I, I know talks get more popular if I mention my mom, if I mention Tammy Faye. Um, so we'll mention Tammy Faye. Um, but like people insulting her to her face, saying horrible things about her looks, about her husband, about lies about her, about her husband's marriage issues. And she would always love them and show grace back. I can honestly say, 30 some odd years in my mother's life, I think there was only one time I saw her inconsolable and just down and it had to do with dying. But she, she got through it, but she had a real dark time. But she always, she, she really never let the bastards get her down. And, and to the point where she loved them. Oh, you're bastards, you, you know, you don't have a family that love you? I'll be your family, I'll love you. And I can remember so many times where I wanted to hit people, scream at people, shake those people, but my mom was already there disarming them with love. That road less traveled. And I don't know how she did it. She wasn't a theologian. But she had, the, she had these essence things that I, as a theologian, keep coming back to because I'm going like, well, I guess this is the essence. I guess this is where theology continues to lead me back to these, how are we a community? How do we argue well? How do we die to ourselves? How do we not make our... Uh, you know, my culture more important than your culture. How do I, you know, die to my, how do I take our identities out of these things? How do I do all this stuff, you know? And then I grew up seeing my mom do it. And uh, it was quite, quite impressive. I, I told my analyst the other day, I said, man, I, I wish I could call my mom right now because I just, I feel lost, I feel upside down. And he said, oh, would she tell you to buck up? And, and, if I, and I said, well, she may say something like that and that's going to go a little bit over my head. I said, but what it was is the, with that when I would go home, we'd go shopping at the mall, and we'd go sit down and eat in the food court or, or Applebee's or whatever crazy chain restaurant she was into at the time. And we would have great conversations and great talks, and there was just a healing there. When, when my mother died, um, her body was at the house where we were at, and I would not see her body because she was pure life to me. She was a pure survivor. My dad once told me is that her nickname was when she was younger, he always said she was the unsinkable Molly Brown. And I believe Molly Brown was a woman on the Titanic. And, you know, she survived. And there was a musical about her, I think, in the, whenever, after, right after the Titanic. I think there's, I have a record of the musical, but they called her the unsinkable Molly Brown. And, um, and I long for that. I long for that type of love and that type of grace, and I'm, I'm grateful that I have that within my blood, and I got a chance to grow up around that. Um, don't get me wrong, she was a terror if I came home drunk or passed curfew or when I did bad things. <laughs> she was a mom. <laughs> she was human. Um, I'll, I'll finish this here um, with Matthew uh, 6, uh, 37. It says, uh, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Now, this is one of those things where I might put an asterisk at it, but I think if you did it enough, you're going to see what comes out of that. When you're constantly giving grace. 
You know, I think a lot of times with these fallen ministers, why people have so much venom coming out of their mouths is because they held such high impossible standards to meet and then they obviously didn't meet the standards themselves. But when I read Brendan Manning's last book that was released after he passed away, he talked about his lying, his continued falling off the wagon, his alcoholism, and he put it all out there. And I don't remember a whole lot of people being like, oh, we're so shocked. I actually talked to a lot of people like, yeah, we knew that was going on and that's where he was and he was doing it and he was lying and these things were happening. Um, but the, he was a man of grace and he changed so many people's lives that we were able to give him grace in those midst of those, those, those failures and those midst of those, those imperfections. Um, and, and what's crazy too is what I loved about my time in Atlanta uh, as a young man, as a teenager, when I was a part of the first cathedral, uh, the Cathedral of the Holy Spirit, was that it was a majority black church. And that I realized that the African-American community, the black community, uh, had an essence of grace and love that really did cover a multitude of sins and uh, lived in the reality of, oh yeah, life is tough. We all struggle. We all fall back on old crutches. Um, but what's important is that we try to work through it and move forward and be better tomorrow. And I loved that. Um, always be uh, was such a lesson to me, you know. Like, oh yeah, of course you did that. Of course you, you know, look at the position you put yourself in and look what you did. Yeah, of course you fell apart, you know. All right, well, we need to get back up and, and, and figure this out and let's try not to do that shit again and let's move forward. But this is life. We're living life on life's terms. That's what I love about AA is you go out, get drunk after 27 years of sobriety, they get you a white chip and you just go on and you still have that, that past of sobriety, but you know, you're also starting anew, but it's not, you're not ridiculed. You're not laughed at. You're not, no one's like, oh, I can't trust this guy anymore. You know, it's just, it's, it happens. People fall, people make mistakes. And uh, could you imagine if we lived in a way where we allowed that to happen and where we, and I'm not saying without accountability. I think that's the biggest worry everybody has is that it's just like this peace, love, and hippie thing and there's no accountability. And you're all worried, like, what about the guy who hurt me? They're not going to be held accountable. You know, I'm like, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that we do it in a different way, that we're gentle and humble when we do it. You know, and that we don't become keyboard warriors and destine these people to hell and to be destroyed and rot in hell. I hope they rot in hell. You know, I, 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 I saw this guy uh, write the most gracious thing about Hillsong recently. All this shit's going on at Hillsong. I have no idea what's going on there, but obviously some, some weird things have been going on. And this guy just wrote the most graceful response about the people who attend the church, about the leadership, and how his hope for, for restoration on every side and, and that people would learn from these, these horrible situations. You know, but of course, right down at the end, there was a comment was like, fuck them all. They don't deserve that. I was there for this many years and they all deserve to go to hell and they all deserve to get whatever that they get coming to them. And I get that anger too. I understand that anger as well. I mean, I, I see that, but I was really impressed with this, this person who'd worked for this, this for, for Hillsong for so long and was able to show grace but not saying I'm letting them off or not saying what's happening isn't horrible, but was still able to show grace and hope for the future and with restoration, not that the future would be Hillsong, more Hillsong. It would just be healing in every aspect. Because I think what we don't remember is, or we don't think of, and this is where I come in a very unique situation is, 
is that when we say, well, we want all those people to suffer and go to hell and, and, and do this or, or, you know, get what they deserve, you know, do they have family members? Do they have loved ones that were innocent in that? I am a product of what happens when Christians and non-Christians all join together to get really hangry and hate a couple of preachers and say they're scumbags and they're horrible and they're thieves and they're ugly and wear too much makeup, you know, and they're anything but a child of God and they're con men and grifters and all that stuff. Well, guess what? That went into here as well. I was just born into it. You know, well, I mean, that's just part of it. You have to deal with it. You're just collateral. And, you know, is collateral okay within the Christian circles? Do we allow collateral to happen? Sometimes I'm holding on. I tried to take my own life a few years ago. You know, so that is the fruit of that type of, when we don't show grace and we don't show compassion, we don't show gen, because we don't see the whole picture. We don't know what it's like if we were in those shoes, but we also don't realize is that you're not just hurting one person. You're in a whole people. So I've always said like, my parents, yeah, they, they screwed me up a lot. And, and I had to work a lot on, I'm working a lot on that right now and helping, you know, love them and forgive them. But also a lot of people, who, a lot of you folks <laughs> who were critics and said really horrible things and were really judgmental and, and said, you know, damn them all to hell, also are part of the people that I'm having to deal with and heal from and, and get my life back. You know, so everybody played a part. And I don't think we realize the parts that we play and how integral they are and what we're doing. That how poisonous our judgments and our arrows can be to other people. Especially when they've fallen, especially when they're downed. Like, we don't, you know, the last Christian thing we should do is kick people when they're down. You know, I don't want to be the only army that shoots its wounded. Unfortunately, now that that's spread, I feel like now if you're not conservative enough, the conservatives shoot you and say you've been blue-pilled. And if you're, you know, like I know in the progressive circles right now, in the liberal circles, when I question stuff and go, I don't know about this, I don't know about, oh, have you been red-pilled? Oh, are you getting conservative? You know, like I watch Russell Brand, and that guy is obviously like a leftist. And people are like, oh, he's red pill. It's, it, it's, it's conservative agenda and he's, you know, conspiracy theorist. I'm going like, he just studies more than most, you know, news people do. He's, he's not reading off a prompter. He's actually looking into this stuff, you know. And it's like he cares about both sides. And now all of a sudden, you know, the greatest thing we can do is say, well, you're not on our side anymore. You're out. And that's where factions come in. And that's where the lack of restoration comes in. And that's where judgment comes in. And... Um, and what I found is that we eat our own and we shoot our wounded. So, so when, you know, when the Bible says here, when Jesus says here, how you forgive, you will be forgiven. Like if you're part of a group of people that are constantly going after evangelicals or constantly going after progressive people, eventually you run out of those people and you will see those groups turn on one another. I've seen it time and time again where those groups have turned on each other and it became infighting and they destroyed themselves once they didn't feel like they had enough enemies. So, that's my two cents today. That's where I'm coming from, and I hope you guys can go with me through this as well, um, whether you're listening today on Saturday or, or tomorrow as, as, as this is taped uh, for Sunday. Um, love to have your comments in the, in the section. I always try to read through them later because I need new glasses and I don't have transition lenses yet so I can't do that to read anything um, 
<sighs> Anyhow, love you all very much. Appreciate you. Hey, last week I, I, I made a, um, I, I, I said you guys like we had a big need financially. Uh, we, we've just been really struggling financially and how we do this is through your support. And, and I just want to say like you guys really showed up and I appreciate that and really helped. And um, if you really get something out of this and love what we're doing, we really could use your support financially. And eventually I'll try to get you a thank you letter. But right now just give without any thank you letter. <laughs> Put your phone number in there. Maybe I'll give you a call or a text if you need something. Um, maybe we'll start sending out love gifts or things like that. People love their love gifts. Why do they have crazy love gifts? Well, that's because people give more when they get the love gifts or they get the prayer cloth or they get the TBN door knocker or the, you know, PTL medallion to wear. Anyhow, I love you guys so much. Appreciate you so much. And I think we're going to do some good stuff together. And this is just a new beginning. Have a great week. Bye-bye. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.